Welcome to Learning Right. Today we're here with Dr. Katrine Delvilia, and Katrine is going to tell us a bit about her research on voluntary assisted dying. Katrine, first of all, can you please tell us about your position at QUT? So I'm a lecturer here in the law school. So I have some rapid fire questions for you today. Uh, first, what are your pronouns? She and her. Excellent. Your highlight of the year? My highlight of this year is um, celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. <gasps> Congratulations. Uh, just, where was that, by the way? <laughs> in Bali. Oh, oh <laughs> Um, What is your coffee order? Mostly a chai latte, sometimes a mocha if I'm tired. <laughs> Excellent qualification. And finally, what would you sing at karaoke? I would probably try to avoid karaoke, <laughs> but if I had to go, I would sing I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. By Excellent. you too. Oh, okay. <laughs> For those young people. Out there. <laughs> Thank you. From the 1990s. <laughs> Thank you. That is brilliant. Um, our first substantive question today is: Can you tell us a bit about your research problem or topic that you're investigating? Okay. Um, so my research broadly is about um uh, the legislation that governs voluntary assisted dying. So I've looked at lots of different um, aspects of the legislation. I've looked at the eligibility criteria in some detail, in especially in relation to residents in Australia, done some comparative um, research across the, the legislation um, within Australia and internationally. Um, but I guess uh, a big research problem that I've been looking at um, has been the application of the Commonwealth Criminal Code to the state voluntary assisted dying laws. Um, and the, um, the problems that are posed by some offences within that legislation dealing with um, aiding and abetting, counselling, procuring a suicide and whether um, state legislation allowing voluntary assisted dying um, constitutes a suicide within the definition of the Commonwealth law. So for people who might not have a legal background, can you explain why we have state laws and Commonwealth laws that are affecting this issue? Sure. Um, so um, voluntary assisted dying is a matter within state jurisdiction. So the states can decide whether they want to legalise um, that practice or not. Um, the Commonwealth Criminal Code has um, a bunch of offences to do with a, a wide range of things, but one of the things that it regulates is um, discussing suicide over a carriage service, which um, includes telephone, email, the internet. Um, those laws were passed before voluntary assisted dying was legal in any state of Australia, um, but they may affect state laws. And there's a provision in the Commonwealth Constitution that says that if there's a state law and a Commonwealth law that impact the same subject area, the Commonwealth law prevails to the extent of the inconsistency. So if the Commonwealth says you can't do something and the state law says you can do something, it's the Commonwealth law that's going to prevail. So does this apply to voluntary assisted dying? Does the, the, the um, criminal code actually outlaw what states have worked so hard to put into law? Well, because they're not exactly on the same topic, that answer is unclear. And that's what the subject of my research um, has been. Um, but... We think because, so um, this is research that I've conducted with Professors Ben White, Lindy Wilmot, 
Dr. Eliana Close and also Dr. Rachel Hughes. And we looked at it, we disagreed about it, we argued about it for a long time. <laughs> and we thought it remains unclear, but it needs to be clarified. Because if the Commonwealth law does apply, it means that doctors cannot have conversations with um with their patients over telehealth they can't send information over email they can't have conversations over the phone about voluntary assisted dying or they'll risk being prosecuted for a criminal offense mm. um, so we need to know whether voluntary assisted dying meets the definition of suicide in the commonwealth law the commonwealth doesn't define that word which would be really helpful um, we have asked the Commonwealth to clarify the position. Various state governments have asked the Commonwealth to clarify the position. The Commonwealth has declined to do that. We've also asked the Commonwealth to um, either repeal those provisions or introduce a, um, a, an exception for voluntary assisted dying, and they've said that they're not going to touch the law. So the position remains unclear and doctors remain uncertain as to what they can and can't do in that space, which is a significant practical problem. Mm. That actually leads very nicely to the next question. However, I do just want to ask one more kind of background question before we go on to that. So suicide is obviously related to somebody taking something themselves. Yes. Would this apply to a situation where a doctor administers a medication to somebody else? Could they have discussions about that via telehealth? Yes. Okay. So practitioner-administered voluntary-assisted dying is not going to be caught by the Commonwealth Criminal Code because the definition of suicide is an intentional act by the person to end their own life rather than an intentional act by a medical practitioner. So, yes, but in states like Victoria and South Australia, where most voluntary assisted dying needs to be conducted by the person themselves because of the restrictions on when the situation, the circumstances when um, practitioner administration is allowed, it is a significant practical problem. In a state like New South Wales, which has allowed the um, person free choice, it's going to be free choice of method of administration, it's going to be much less of a problem. Now, for someone outside the end-of-life research uh, group, um, do you have expertise to comment why the Commonwealth is refraining from clarifying this much-needed problem? Um, I'm not sure. So it has been on the agenda at a couple of um, councils of attorneys general, and it's been it's been raised by the states, and it's just been left to the next um, the next meeting. There is currently a court case underway, which has been brought by a Victorian doctor trying to clarify the position that has not motivated the, um, the Commonwealth to act. My suspicion is that it's just too much of a political hot potato for the, um, the Commonwealth to weigh in. I know with the previous government that they were not in favour of voluntary assisted dying, so they weren't... Um, they weren't um, predisposed to amend their law in any way. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem with this is that the, um, the Commonwealth's law is not actually preventing people from accessing voluntary assisted dying. It's, it's just making it more difficult for them in a practical sense because you can still have consultations with your doctor, you just have to have them in person, mm -hmm. which means that either the doctor has to travel to the patient or the patient who is terminally ill has to travel to the doctor. So the Commonwealth's not actually stopping people from accessing voluntary assisted dying. It's just making it more 
more protracted and painful. That's a really great point. And and can you maybe expand a little bit more on what that looks like in practice for doctors and patients who then have to go around these roadblocks to try and access something that they're going to be able to, but in just a much more difficult way? Yeah. So there's some evidence from Victoria of um, patients who are terminally ill having to travel five or six hours down the highway to Melbourne to meet with their um to meet with a doctor to have a consultation to assess whether they're eligible or not for voluntary assisted dying, um, which is obviously a significant burden. In some cases, the doctor will travel to the patient and that's a massive impost on the medical practitioner's time. Mm -hmm. So all that travel time um, means that they can't be seeing other patients who have, who have um, significant needs. Um, and sometimes um, multiple consultations are required all of those need to occur in person. Mm -hmm. And I and I imagine, and, and maybe we don't have the evidence on this, but I imagine that that probably gets a bit too hard for some people and they either just don't go ahead with choosing this option um, or they don't get through the process in time um, if they have to do all of that travel to, to get to appointments and things. So that's really a really big issue. Mm, that's definitely a possibility. And you're right, we don't know the extent of that problem. We do know that in Western Australia, the, um, the government has funded a service which allows practitioners to travel to patients. That can, in, in cases of people who are living in the northwest of Western Australia, it can be two, maybe three days of the practitioner's time mm -hmm. because of the frequency of flights and things like that. Um, so they have put into place um, workarounds for the Commonwealth Criminal Code, but they are obviously a um, significant cost to healthcare resources. Mm, it sounds like the law envisions a particular kind of patient that doesn't adequately represent Australian patients by not allowing phone calls. It envisions like a metropolitan patient who has like the time to come in, even if they maybe live a little bit outside that is adequately funded by themselves. So it seems to me kind of like this is a little bit discriminatory to a large number of patients, especially when they're going to be so potentially so unwell they are at the end of life and if they're you know meeting this criteria they have a terminal illness yeah it definitely disproportionately affects um, people who live in rural and remote areas so it's less of a problem for metropolitan patients mm -hmm. although there are patients who are too unwell to travel to a doctor it's less of a problem for a doctor to um, make a home visit to a metropolitan patient mm -hmm. yeah so this leads into the next question. What do you envision the government doing to solve this problem? <laughs> um, so the recommendations that we've made are um, firstly that um, the Commonwealth DPP could issue guidelines that they um, say that they're not going to prosecute any medical practitioners who conduct um, consultations via telehealth. So to say that, you know, like... Um, not necessarily to change the criminal code, but to just say that that's not going to be the type of criminal offence that was meant by this um, provision of the criminal code and we won't be prosecuting doctors who are acting in accordance with the laws in their state. So that's the simplest solution. Um, in the long term, we would like to see the Commonwealth amending the criminal code to introduce an exception so that um, the criminal code says that um, act, uh, consultations for voluntary assisted dying do not constitute um, aiding or abetting a suicide and are not um, a criminal offence under the Commonwealth law. Well, 
I mean, they seem like two very sensible options. So hopefully we do see some progress on one of those very soon. I know it's been a long time coming. The Victorian law is coming to its fifth year of operation and this has been impacting people for quite some time now. So hopefully there is some movement on that issue. In terms of our final question, what do, you know, the everyday person, what does the everyday person need to know? What can they do to help in this situation regarding this issue? Um, so I guess for people who are considering accessing voluntary assisted dying or family members of someone who's considering accessing voluntary assisted dying, just to understand that um, the um, medical practitioners might feel like they're in a very um, compromised situation if the person wants to um, use telehealth or telephone to um, have consultations. So to be patient with that and to try to think of um ways to work around that problem until the Commonwealth law changes. Um, I guess if they do find themselves in a situation where they would like to access telehealth, they could contact their local MP and say, this is causing a practical problem for me or my family member in this situation. Um, see whether that helps to bring any pressure to the situation. Um, yeah, otherwise just to understand that this is an access issue and it's not something that the medical practitioners can control. And I guess take comfort in the fact that there are people who have this issue at the front of mind and are trying to advocate for this. So yes, and state governments are continuing to put pressure on the federal government. So there wow. may be movement at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Government. laughs> so thank you so much for all the work that you've been doing in this space. I am sure that they're, like this will, you know, eventually come to the forefront, hopefully, of Commonwealth and that, you know, we will be able to thank you for all the work that you've done. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I don't have any more questions. Neither do I. Thank you so much, Katrine. That was wonderful <laughs> to speak with you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners for zoning in to our spin-off series. <laughs>